there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. Let's just go to the word of God. You know me, I can say so many things, so I have to restrain myself. 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 2. We're in chapter 2. I was telling Pastor Mary today, it's like we'll not even finish this chapter 1. Because there's so much to unpack from every verse. That's how rich the, the Bible is. Pastor Renson ended with chapter 6, so I believe I should start on verse 6 rather, so I should begin on verse 7. The Bible says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Are you seeing that Paul, at the beginning of the chapter uh, of 1 Corinthians, he's really insisting on wisdom. He's really emphasizing on wisdom. Shows you the importance of wisdom. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. You know, you can have knowledge, but if you don't know how to apply it, it will still not benefit you. So he's really insisting on wisdom. And this is not natural wisdom. This is spiritual wisdom. This is wisdom from above. Christ has become both power and wisdom to us. So I pray that you may walk in this wisdom. That this wisdom may be part and parcel of your life. Because as a human being, you have so many decisions to make. When you wake up in the morning, you're, wake up in the, you're waking up in the morning to make decisions. And some are life-changing decisions. Some will impact your family. Some will impact on your faith. Some will impact on your finances. Some will impact on your business. Some will impact on your marriage. And so you need wisdom so that you make the right decisions. Praise the Lord. I am telling you where you are today is a sum, for, a sum total of the decisions that you have made in the past. You have made so many decisions. I don't think you can even count the decisions you have made since you were born. There are many, many decisions you have made. Decisions to marry, decisions to get children, decisions to get the job that you have, decisions to start the business that you have, decisions where to live. You have made so many decisions. And sometimes when you look over your shoulder, you realize that some decisions were very bad. Now you're wiser. You're wondering, what was I thinking? Terrible decisions. Some decisions inflicted, you know, pain on your heart. Some decisions made you lose some millions or thousands. Hallelujah. Yeah. Pyramid schemes. Those are decisions. And you lost some monies. So you need the wisdom of God. Tonight receive this wisdom that Paul is talking about all the time. Receive the wisdom of God. Shout a big amen. amen. Now, the Bible says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they knew this wisdom, they could not have crucified Christ. So today, I want to speak to you on the mystery of the cross. And then we are going to pray. The mystery of the cross is the hidden wisdom. The mystery of the cross is the hidden wisdom. 
that also Paul is talking about here. And the Bible says that if demons didn't know, if Satan didn't know, uh, if Satan rather knew the power that is in the cross, if Satan knew this kind of wisdom that was behind the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, then he will not have crucified Jesus Christ. He thought by crucifying Jesus, he's silencing Jesus forever. He thought by crucifying Jesus, he's going to terminate what he came to do here forever. But it was hidden wisdom. That's why wisdom must be revealed to you. Amen. And we want to look at this aspect of God's wisdom that is revealed through the cross. You see, after Jesus left this world, the universal symbol of Christianity is not a cradle, it is not a crown, but it is a cross. The cross is the cruelest instrument of execution known to the ancient world. The cross is God's flashing neon sign telling, telling us that our salvation was procured through death. So when we talk about the cross, we are also talking about the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not die in the grave. Jesus died on the cross. Are we together, somebody? He did not die in the grave. He died on the cross. So death, the death of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, which procured our salvation, took place while he was on the cross. So when you look at the mystery of the cross, we have to talk about death. I know we don't like talking about death, but we have to talk about death. I heard a story about a pastor who saw a man who was in the church cemetery. And the man was distraught as he sat on top of a grave, weeping. And he was weeping uncontrollably. He was crying out and saying these words, why did you have to die? Why did you have to die? You know, some people can be dramatic when they are weeping over the dead, isn't it? Then the pastor moved closer to this guy who was weeping and asking this question over and over again. Why did you have to die? And the pastor asked him, sir, is this a family member of yours that died? And the man said, no. It is my wife's first husband. <laughs> Some of you will get the joke on 29th when we are breaking the fast. Matthew chapter 27. <laughs> Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. Did you guys get the joke? The man wished that the husband, the first husband of his wife never died. Because if he never died, he could not have married, <laughs> married her because she's a thorn in his flesh. <laughs> she's not a wife, she's a knife. So the guy is crying, say, why did you die? You should not have died. Mercy, Lord. Matthew chapter 27, 
verse 51. Then behold the veil. Now go back to verse 50. And Jesus cried out again. Jesus is now on the cross. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He is now on the cross, cried out, and he died. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. This is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. And I want us to look at all these details that took place when Jesus died on the cross. Number one, the Bible says the veil was torn. Remember, we are looking at the power of the cross. The veil was torn. It was torn from top to bottom. So that means that veil that separated the holy of holies from the holy uh, from the holy place was abolished. In the temple, they used to have this thick veil that only allowed the high priest to go into the holy of holies on the day of atonement. But that veil was torn. And so the people who were outside could be able to see the holy of holies. And they were scared because they thought that they were going to die. That was not a place that you were supposed to see. That was not a place that any ordinary person was supposed to enter. But when Jesus died, that veil that separated man from the holy of holies or separated the ordinary man from the holy of holies was abolished. So that means man was given access into the holy of holies. The ordinary human being like you and I, we were given access. We were qualified through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross we were qualified by the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ to be able not just to see the Holy of Holies, but to actually enter the Holy, Holy of Holies. We were allowed by God to enter into his holiest, holiest place where we can worship, where we can pray, and where we can commune with him. What a privilege. What a wonderful privilege that a place that was shut from ordinary people like you, like you and me, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was removed. And now God allowed us to actually go in, go into his presence so that we can pray from that place, so that we can worship from that particular place. And you can see that this was done so that you can have direct access with God. You don't need to wait for the day of atonement. You can have direct access to God regardless of your geographical location. You can convert your bedroom into the Holy of Holies. You, you can convert your living room into the Holy of Holies. You can convert your car into the Holy of Holies. Now we have access into the Holy of Holies and we can be able to commune with God. Hallelujah. That's why there are things you should learn to do on your own. You should grow up and learn to do some things on your own. You, you should learn to pray on your own. You know, there are people who cannot pray on their own. You should learn to pray on your own, you know, without somebody giving you prayer points. You should be able to, you should be able to worship on your own without the worship leader or without the worship team. 
Amen. Because when you learn to do these things alone, on your own, when you come and we congregate, it just flows because it's something that you're used to doing. Hallelujah. For example, when you, when, when you learn to worship by yourself, I mean, you're alone in your room, in your bedroom, in your house, in your car, and you learn to worship on your own. When you come here and the worship leader is leading you to worship, you will not be stubborn. You will just flow because the veil has been torn. Hallelujah. When, when, when you practice prayer on your own and you're praying, you know, and you pray until you feel like you have touched, you have touched God. When we come here, I'm telling you, and other people are praying, and then you join the prayer meeting, you will not struggle. You will just flow because this is your lifestyle. The reason why people struggle to pray in public, people struggle to worship in public, is because they have not created the Holy of Holies in their rooms, in their houses, in their offices, and in their cars. It's not something that they do. So when they come here, they crack. It's just like if you are a sports person and you have this big match that you're supposed to play. What they encourage you to do is they encourage you to do warm-up. That's why you see when they're about to substitute somebody, you see somebody who was seated, covered in a jacket, you know, wearing a hat or maybe wearing shades. They tell them, remove your hat, remove your shades, remove your jacket. And then that person begins to run up and down. They are not wasting time. They are preparing, ladies, praise the Lord. They are preparing to enter, you know, into the field so that they may play. Now you understand. Some of you think they are just keeping the cameras busy. No, they are warming up. They are preparing for the match because when they do that, what is happening is they are warming their muscles. So that when they start running and they are kicking the ball and they are jumping and they are hitting the ball, the body is already warmed up and the body is ready to play. That's what happens when you create a holy of holies in your house, in your room, and wherever. You are warming yourself up so that when you come here, you don't experience a spiritual muscle pull. Am I preaching to somebody in this house? So look at your neighbor and tell them, you must learn to do it by yourself. Yes, learn to do it on your own. Learn to worship on your own. Learn to pray on your own. Pray until you can hear yourself praying. Hallelujah. And breakthrough in prayer when you're alone. Speak in tongues. Rattle like a generator in your room, in your house. Pray with all your heart because the veil has been removed. You can now enter. Hallelujah. So when you come here and the worship leader is trying to take you in, it becomes very easy for you to go in. When the prayer leader is trying to make you pray, it becomes very easy for you to pray because you are in your element. Can I hear an amen? So tell your neighbor, I'm changing my, my bedroom into the holy of holies. Tell another one, I'm changing my living room into the holy of holies. Tell another one, I'm changing my car into the holy of holies. When Jesus died, the veil was torn. Now we can go in. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes when I look at some believers in the church, I wonder, why did you even come? Because they look like they are inconvenienced. Clap your hands. Then they stop. Shout. Hey. Then they stop. I mean, it's like everything that they are told, that's what they do. But it doesn't come from their heart. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. You came to pray. Why are you quiet? 
Or ask your neighbor, why did you come? But you see, you can't pray effectively if you don't do it when you're on your own. Yeah, you can do it. But if you're doing on your own, then you come, you say, I'm coming to join my brothers and my sisters who have been praying on their own. So now we want to pray together so that we can experience what we call a corporate anointing. Can you imagine what can happen if all of us come from a place of prayer? Pastor Rose, are you okay? You're like this. The effects of fasting. Even the head is heavy. You have to hold it. Mercy Lord. So look at your neighbor and tell them, do it on your own. Number two. That's the mystery of the cross. That's the mystery of the cross. Number two, there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. In Acts chapter 16, we have another earthquake. Please, this is Madividi. It's not Madividi. This is a different earthquake. In Acts chapter 16, um, verse 25 to 26, the Bible says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations, somebody shout foundations. When the earthquake showed up in prison, it shook the foundations. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's hands or bands were loose. So there is this earthquake, but it targeted the foundations of the prison. There was this great earthquake in Acts chapter 16 that targeted the foundations of the prison in which Paul and Silas were incarcerated in. So this confinement, this place that limited their freedoms, this place that limited their movements, when the earthquake showed up, it targeted the foundations of that particular place. And began to shake, to shake the place. Now, when the foundations were shaken, the doors were open. When the foundations were shaken, the bands or the locks around their feet. Remember, they were taken inside and they were locked inside there. The, the, the locks around their hands and their feet, they were shaken. And they were broken. Because the foundations of the prisons were shaken. Or the foundations of the prison were shaken. Amen. So I want you to see that very, very clearly because of what I want to show you in this place. The Bible says when Jesus died, the earth, there was an earthquake. And I believe this earthquake was shaking some foundations. Hallelujah. These were spiritual foundations that were being shaken as Jesus was dying on the cross. You see, you, see, you must understand that you see, when you look at the life of Jesus, things were not just happening. You might think this was natural. It was not natural. It has a spiritual connotation attached to it. Some spiritual foundations were being shaken as Jesus was dying on the cross. Some invisible foundations were being shaken in the lives of people here on earth as Jesus was dying on the cross. That's what I'm telling you. It's a mystery. That's what the Bible says. If the devil knew this wisdom, he could not have crucified Jesus. And some of these foundations are diabolic foundations. Look, everybody here, we come from certain foundations. We are products of certain foundations. If you sit somebody, sit down with somebody and begin to talk, you will see some foundations that are 
in their lineage. When they give you their story, their past, where they're coming from, wherever, their relationship with their parents, their relationship between the father and the mother, the grandfather, you know, their lives, how they grew up, you know, the things they went through, you know, you can see foundations. You can see foundations. And everybody here, we have foundations that need to be shaken. Amen. I say everybody here needs some foundations shaken in their lives. Hallelujah. Now, some foundations are good, but some foundations are bad. You think the way you're thinking because of foundations. You see life the way you're seeing it because of foundations that were laid in your life. Hmm? You treat the opposite sex the way you do because of certain foundations that were laid in you. You handle money the way you do because of certain foundations that were laid in you. you your response to authority is in tandem with the foundations that were laid in you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You know, we, we, were, we were trying to to help some young people who were on the streets. And you can see that they rejected authority because a foundation has been laid in them of no authority. Yeah, you tell them you need to shower before you board the bus. They say, stay with your bus. <laughs> yeah, we don't have soap. You buy soap and you give them soap to shower. They refuse to shower. Is because a certain foundation is working, you know, in their lives. That's why foundations have to be shaken. Foundations have to be destroyed. When Jesus was dying, he was shaking some things because he knows how strong foundations can be. Hallelujah. And, and, and you know, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, as, as you go deeper into prayer, as you go deeper into following God and understanding spiritual matters, you realize that sometimes it's not the devil you're fighting. It is foundations you're fighting. That's why Paul was saying, I have, a foundation has already been laid. So the one who is coming to build should be very careful. How they build, because a foundation has already been laid. Now, if, if a foundation has been laid and you're building your life on that foundation, you see, that foundation will determine so many things about your life. It will even determine your destiny. It will determine your choices. It will determine your emotions. It will determine your thinking. It will de determine so many things about you. So if there are wrong foundations, they need to be shaken by the power of the cross. Thank God for Jesus. When he died, he showed us that it is possible to shake foundations and destroy foundations that have been laid in our lives. Can I hear an amen? I pray tonight that some foundations will be shaken. Some foundations will be destroyed. Some bad foundations will be shaken and destroyed in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? You never... You know, I never understood this until one time I remember, you know, I was going for what you call a health checkup. And they ask you questions. And one of the question, questions they ask you is, did your father have this? Oh, did your mother have this? How about your grandfather, if you can remember, did they have this? 
Because they have realized that there are some things which, which can be passed on. A foundation can be laid. All right? Or a door can be opened and you can find that a disease is running rampant in a family. It has gone wild in a family. Or just mysterious death. People are dying mysteriously. And you don't know why. Or people are going mad. It's a foundation. When Jesus was dying, it's the mystery of the cross to shake foundations. Hallelujah. So what therapy cannot do, the power of the cross can accomplish. I wish I got a better amen here. I say what counseling and psychiatrists cannot do, the power of the cross can be able to do it in Jesus' name. Tonight, by the power of the cross, may every evil foundation in your lineage, in your life, be broken in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder, amen. amen. Number three, what happened when Jesus was dying on the cross? Is the mystery. The rocks were split. How comes me when I'm preaching, the time moves very fast. The, the, the rocks were split. I remember once we visited what we call the Grand Canyon in Arizona. I don't know if Pastor Mary remember. I think we even went with our kids, the Grand Canyon in Arizona. You'll be there. Hallelujah. You know me, when I visit places, I'm very keen. I study to know why. Why have they preserved this? You know, why are people coming here? It is one of the most visited sites in America. You know, Google was saying at, at least 5.9 million people have visited that place. And when you go to that place, you'll be blown away. I mean, they're saying that this river, Colorado River, you know, has been running for over 6 million years. And it took six, over 6 million years. Ask your neighbor, where were you? Over 6 million years. Yes, the river was running through this canyon and it carved this canyon. And these are huge rocks. It took over six million years for the river to find its way around all these rocks. And so it was carving some rocks as it's trying not to go through all these huge, massive rocks. If you go there and you see the place, oh, you'll be blown away. Massive rocks. That the river has cut through. Until the president, I think that was Roosevelt, he decided to make that place, you know, a national site. It's owned by the government of America. So you can see that it took so many years for the rocks to be eroded, but some of them are still standing. So when we talk about rocks, we're talking about something that is durable, something that is strong. When you go to the quarry, there have so many quarries here. Some of them are in Earth River. When they are blasting that rock, I'm telling you, it's not an easy thing. Yeah, those people who are living around there, some of them say sometimes they feel like their houses are shaking. Yeah, because it takes a lot of force and strength to be able to split rocks. Look, when Jesus was dying, his power. His power. In a split of a second, he didn't need six million years. He didn't need heavy equipment 
for him to split rocks. When he said it is finished and he gave his ghost, gave up his ghost rather, the Bible says the rocks were split. So you can imagine how rocks were splitting all over the, spl- all over the place. All over the place. All over the place. Because of the power of the cross. Can I hear an amen? amen. Tell me, but that's how powerful the cross is. So when we talk about the mystery behind the cross, we are talking about the power to deal with stubborn obstacles. The power to deal with stubborn hurdles. The power of the cross has the ability to pulverize every stubborn obstacle in your life. Things that have persisted over years. That's why we are praying and we are fasting. Hallelujah. You know, one time the disciples of Jesus were praying or praying or trying to rebuke a devil. But Jesus told them, no, you need to add fasting. Because when you add fasting, you tap into another realm of God's power, which is able to split rocks, which is able to deal with stubborn demons and stubborn obstacles. Because sometimes we have stubborn demons. Because the Bible says a demon will go and still come back. We have stubborn obstacles. They keep recurring. Stubborn issues that keep on coming over and over and over into our lives. But the power of the cross has the power. The cross has the power rather to deal with every unyielding, resistant, and stubborn issue in our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen. There are people here and there are people who are listening to him. To me, you have stubborn issues that have refused to go. I pray in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting that those stubborn issues will be defeated by the power of the cross. Every rocky situation will be split by the power of the cross in the name of Jesus. I thought I'll get a powerful amen. Tell your neighbor, every rocky situation in your life every stubborn situation in your life, may it be broken, may it be destroyed by the power of the cross. Number four, the last one, then we pray. The dead were raised. It's a mystery. If Satan knew that all those things are going to happen, I don't think he could have crucified Christ. It's a mystery. Hallelujah. The dead. The Bible says, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Those who were dead, they've been buried. All of a sudden, you see your relative, you buried a long time ago. He's coming home. He say, hi. I think some of you who are very spooky, you ran away. You know, sometimes when I'm in the funerals and I see the way people are crying, some of them are falling on the casket and they are crying. Sometimes I imagine if I go there and say, in the name of Jesus, rise up. And if this person rises up, what will happen in that funeral service? I'm praying one day it may happen so that I may see what will happen. I think people will take off. Hey, people will take off. Huh? Can you imagine the guy rising 
And then he removes the things. What are these that they put here? Cotton. He removes the cottons. Hallelujah. He says, bring me water. I want to wash my face. <laughs> there will be no one even to give them the water, isn't it? The body will be flying in different directions. Mercy. Quickly, death is caused by many factors. Number one is old age. When you grow old and Jesus tarries, you will die. First Corinthians 29, David died. David was old. The Bible says, First Corinthians chapter 29, verse 26 to 28, that's David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the period that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. Chronicles, First Chronicles 29. So he died in a good old age, full of days, and then riches and honor. You see, even riches cannot stop aging. Honor cannot stop aging. You still grow old. All right? He died in good old age, full of days and riches and honor. When he was old, they even tried to bring a young girl in his room. But his organs had shut down. Heart shut down. Kidneys shut down. Liver shut down. I'll not go deeper than that. Shut down. And he died. So age can contribute to death. Two, diseases also can cause death. In many funerals, we read the history of the person and they mention when he became sick, when he started being sick, and then he went to the doctor. The diagnosis was made. Then he started taking medicine. And then he succumbed to the disease. All right? I was checking the number one killer of human beings in the world, and I was surprised. Can I tell you? Huh? Heart disease. Heart disease. Even in Kenya, heart disease. So you have to take care of your heart. Tell anybody, be happy. <laughs> yeah, heart disease is killing more people than even cancer. That's why people are dropping dead. And you don't understand why. When they do post-mortem, they realize the heart. The guy is 35. And he has a heart of a 90-year-old man or woman. So take care of your heart. Amen. Take care of your heart. Run a little bit. Jump a little bit. Jump the rope. Lord, why did I jump? I'm supposed to preserve my energy. <laughs> hmm? Even fasting is good for your heart. It clears the clotting in your heart. So diseases can also contribute to death. Look at how many people died of COVID-19 all over the world. Lazarus was sick before he died. Tabitha was sick before she died. Another thing is natural causes. Natural causes, which can also cause death. I'm giving you this list so that I can tie up and finish. Then we'll pray. Natural, natural causes can cause death. You are just walking, a tree falls on you. 
Just like that, and you're gone. Huh? Or while you're sleeping, there was a snake in your, in your bed. Very poisonous snake, and it bites you while you're sleeping, and you never wake up. Mercy, Lord. I think after this, you'll be checking your bed, removing the duvet, removing the shit, turning the bed upside down before you sleep. Natural causes. Or a flood takes place, you know, and you are driving, and it gets you. Because most of you don't know how to swim. That's why I told you, learn how to swim. Ask your neighbor, do you know how to swim? Yeah. Yeah. Some natural causes can just take you away. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Or you can be eaten by a lion. <laughs> you know, I see these people. You know, one time Faith was telling me, Dad, I want to organize for you to go to this particular place. And they have very nice tents. And you sleep in the tents in the wild. Huh? I say, in the wild, I sleep in the tents. He said, yes. And it's a very protected area. The lions cannot get to the tent. And the hyenas cannot get to the tent. And you tell me to go and sleep in the tent. Ladies and gentlemen, for me, if I go to areas where I'm told this is the wild, I want to be in a concrete building. Those of you who want to sleep in the tents, may God bless you. But for me, concrete buildings, yes. And before I sleep, I check the door is locked. I check the window is locked. I even check the roof if there is any loophole. Because if a lion finds you, I'm telling you, you are gone. They will just say he was here. <laughs> yeah. And they follow, they follow the trail. You know, they find what you wore last. But you are gone. And now they have to kill that lion because it has tested human blood. It will start attacking human beings. May you never be a victim of natural causes in the name of Jesus. May you never be a victim of a stray bullet, stray lion, a hungry hyena, or a tree falling on you in the name of Jesus. Tell your neighbor, don't sleep in the tent. <laughs> I think it's only Pastor Dennis who can attempt those things. Lastly is deadly injuries. Some injuries can be deadly. An injury can be life-threatening that can cause death. A broken hip can become life-threatening. Just a broken hip. It leads to many other complications. Or a broken arm can lead to many other complications. High blood pressure, it cannot be controlled, goes so high. 
and then your, your heart is straining, whatever, whatever, then your veins begin to burst and, and phew, somebody's gone. Deadly injuries. Hmm? Or an injury that was not treated well and then there is clotting of blood. And then that clot travels, travels, it goes to the heart and somebody's gone. You see, when the Bible says none of his bones was broken, the Bible knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and I pray for you that none of your bones will be broken. You will not have deadly injuries in the name of Jesus. Especially, I pray for your last toe. That last toe. That last toe in the house. Oh. Pray for eyes on that last toe. You are just walking, then it remains behind. One time I saw Pastor Mary, I think she hit herself somewhere. Instead of feeling sorry for her, I started laughing. Because of the way she was behaving. It was very funny, I'm telling you. Then later on I told her, I'm, I'm sorry. But I was still laughing. <laughs> I'm still laughing. Oh Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Have you ever felt that pain? It's very painful. Sometimes you don't even want to look at it. You feel like it has, it has, it has fallen off. Then before it gets healed, again. <laughs> may God shield you. I say may God shield you from deadly injuries in the name of Jesus. So it didn't matter what killed these people. That's what I'm trying to show you. It didn't matter what killed them because we don't know what killed them. Some of them died because of injuries. Some of them died because of sicknesses and diseases. Some of them died because of natural causes. But it didn't matter. When the power of the cross showed up, the graves, the graves were opened and those who were dead were resurrected. May this power hit your life as well. I say, may this power hit your life as well. May this power hit your house as well. Anything that is dead that was not supposed to die, may it be resurrected by the power of the cross in the name of Jesus. May every dead dream be resurrected. May every dead vision be resurrected. May, may every dead marriage be resurrected. May every dead calling be resurrected. May every dead ministry be resurrected. May your dead assignment here on earth be resurrected in the name of Jesus. Is the mystery of the cross. And today we're going to pray for this mystery to become a reality in our lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.